Hey, quick note, everybody. This is Steve. This podcast is in two parts. So part one, I actually had a guest on, Todd Poquette. He was the race director for the 906 Polar Bowl. We talked about the history of the event, the races from year to year, how the course has changed, why the course has changed, and some of the things going on behind the scenes that, it, that has impacted that. Uh, and then we talked about some of the other things Todd has going on, some of the other events. It was it was a great discussion, fantastic intro uh, for part two, because part two was my race report from the Polar Roll. And uh, I kind of, I think I liked how this went. Uh, and I might try to do some more of this if uh, I'm able to get some other race directors to come on and chat about the race prior to me doing the race report. So uh, anyways, hope you enjoy it. And uh, like I said, stick around. So it's two parts. There's part one is my discussion with Todd Paquette and it's around 40 minutes or so, maybe 45. And then part two is my race report. And also for those that have sent this out to me in the past, I did dive into my nutrition, my gear and my bike setup uh, and all that type of stuff with the race report as well. So hope you enjoy it. Send me the feedback. Uh, if you, if you like what, you know, we're doing here, I know it's been a while since I had a podcast out. Uh, I'm going to try to get these ramped up again here as spring goes, because I do have a stack of race reports to get out. Um, you know, go on iTunes, leave a review. Uh, if you have some feedback, send me an email to podcast at endurancepath.com. Uh, so without, uh, any more, we'll dive this into my normal intro and, and let this thing rip. So enjoy. Thanks. Welcome to the Endurance Path Podcast with me, Steve Hamlin. This whole Endurance Path thing started with me writing about some of my own race experiences after getting myself off the couch and, and back in shape. Over time, my race reports became more and more detailed to the point that I realized other folks were using my reports to plan for their own races. So I launched the Endurance Path Podcast with some audio of my own race reports, but have started bringing guests on the show to share some of the many inspiring stories that are out there and just have some great general discussion. I'll be kicking out my own race reports whenever I do race, but I'll also keep bringing on the guests. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, this is Steve doing something a little bit different here for my uh, 2018 Polar Roll race report. I've actually got the race director, Todd Poquette, on the line with me here. And we're going to do a little intro for it and talk about the race, how it got started, uh, how many years, the course, because there's been course changes throughout the years. I think each year has been a little bit different. But uh, thanks a lot for coming on, Todd. Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. Glad to, uh, glad to get on here and talk about polar roll. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's first start out. The uh, what year of the polar roll was is this? Because I actually don't even know myself. Well, we started in 2015, so we've run the the event now for four years. Okay, so I've done it three. So I missed I missed the first year then. Yeah. First year was, you know, from a condition standpoint, the first year was was pretty good. It was cold that year. That might have been our coldest year, actually. Okay. Where was it the first year then? Um, <clears throat> the first year we did it, we started up in Ishpeming. Okay. So basically what, what was the finish line this year served as the start line last year for the, for the long event. Okay. And and it went downhill to Marquette and then finished in Lower Harbor, the big park that's downtown by the Ordock. The 
short race actually started in Marquette that year, started by Border Grill on uh, Washington Street, and just did a loop through the South Trails and then also ended down in Lower Harbor okay. by the uh, Ordock. So year number so that was year, that was year number one. That was year number one. Year number two then was yeah. that a similar course? Because that's I, I remember starting in. Ishpeming, I think, and and ending in Marquette. Yeah, yeah. Year two um, was, for the most part, uh, the races started in the same spot. You know, so the long race started up in Ishpeming, went to Marquette. Short race started in Marquette by Border Grill and did the loop through South Trails down to the uh, Lower Harbor. Year two, I'm was laughing brutal, by because. The way. Yeah, that's why I'm laughing because that <laughs> yeah, was the year I know. that it was uh, like 38 <laughs> degrees in rain. It was literally the trail of tears. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, I, I I carried and pushed my bike a long way. So. Yeah, my uh, yeah, we had people do the the short race, which at that time was about 13 miles. It took them seven hours. Yeah, to yeah. do 13, 13 miles. It was just so bad. So I remember that year and I, cause that was my, yeah, that was my, my first time doing it. And I would say going uphill on the snowmobile trail this year was faster than going downhill on the snowmobile trail that year. Oh, there's no doubt. It was, uh, <laughs> you couldn't even, I, I thought the, for that year, and this is again, this is year two of Polar Roll, the first year I did it. I was like, oh, no problem. I can hammer it through all the single track and then not worry about feeding a whole lot. And then when I get out on the snowmobile trail, I'll be able to feed and catch up for like eight miles of, you know, nutrition before I hit the next section. And you couldn't take your hands off your handlebars because you just, the, it was rutted and soft and it was, it was work, a lot of work. But, yeah, that was rough. And so the first two years, kind of a similar layout and then... Year three, so this is 2017, yeah. it changed up a, a bunch. What, what It did. And it, it got shorter, um, and it was all start and finish in Ishpeming. Yep. You know, what, what prompted that change was the fact that that was the first year. So in year three, that was the first year that now Polar Roll – and the sled dog race, the UP 200, overlapped on the same weekend. Okay. And the, the issue is that both races use, oh, I'm going to say they overlap for three miles as you come back into Marquette along the lake to Lower Harbor. Yeah. And we wanted to avoid, or we just, we don't know. And when I say we, I'm saying us, the polar roll race committee, and then UP 200 team, we have no idea how the heck that would play out having bikes and dogs on the same trail. Yeah. I don't think anybody wants to find out either. No. And both, and both events finish in lower Harbor. So, you know, we had to take a hard look at it and, they can't change their date. We can't change ours because we're in the uh, Great Lakes Fat Bike Series. You know, we're kind of locked into the calendar with where we're at. And we had to make a change. We had to get off 
you know, that, that part of the course. Well, we were fortunate enough in year three that um, Cleveland Cliffs Mining Company on the West End, they gave us access to some property that we had previously not used. Is that the new And Hill it allowed stuff? us to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some of that Hill Street stuff was still in the event this year in year four. But, you know, in year three, there was a lot more stuff through Hill Street okay. that we've now lost access to. Oh, okay. Um, so at least during year three, we were able to work it out to, uh, to hold both events, start and finish, from the same spot there initially. Okay. The uh, one thing I want to add on that is, you know, I felt in year three, it took the long race down to like 25 miles. <clears throat> and prior to that, we were always around 33 yeah, and it was it was pretty fast too. Yeah, uh, yeah, the trail conditions were amazingly fast that day. I know the warm temps had everybody freaking out, thinking it was going to be another, you know, a repeat of the Trail of Tears from year two. No, it was but actually, good. it was super fast. Yeah, I mean, R Ramba had that course so dialed, it was ridiculous. Now, if you were still out there at two o'clock in the afternoon. You know, then, yeah, it started to get soft because it was into the 60s. But <laughs> yeah, that course was super fast. Yeah, no, it was, it didn't, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but did, didn't Wakely finish under two hours, like hour 30 something or something like that? Uh, it was two it was hours or a little fast. bit under. Yeah. Yeah. It was too easy. It was less epic. <laughs> it, yeah, it was. It, it fell below that, you know, whatever threshold you would call epic. I think we... With the long race that year, we slipped underneath it. Yeah, because I think you and I talked about that when I was up there this year. Yeah. Um, you know, the the positive I'd throw in for the short race is, and I think short racers even this year are probably hoping we can maybe add a few miles to the short race. Yeah. Um, which I am sure Danny will be able to figure out a way to do that. <laughs> uh, he'll probably relish that opportunity to add a few hills. But the the thing that we do like about the short course now in the West End is that we feel it's just more racer friendly for the racer that's doing the that short event. You know, not everybody wants to go out and and suffer through six hours in the snow. Right. Yeah. And the the way Danny's put the uh, the course together up there, it just really flows it's a perfect combination of flow you know downhill and uphill so you do work i mean it's not easy but right you're also not going to kill you you're not you're not going to kill yourself in that particular route either yeah because in the long course there's some well down in that end too and, and i'll talk about this when i actually go through my race report after this but the uh there's there was some kind of narrow and i don't know is that snowshoe in course that yeah the long racers take yeah I, I struggle with that. Stuff. Yeah, when you get up along the when you get up along that fence line, yep, up through uh, Malton and that, uh, I heard it got blown out this year again, and that's not unusual. I mean, it's so narrow that you know once you get your tire off that center tread, if you go too far right or left, when you're into what two feet of snow, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I went down yeah. a couple times. <laughs> yeah so but um okay so 
that that brings me to then year four, 2018, because this, this the sled dog race was still going on the same weekend. Um, in fact, I watched yep. some of it take off Friday night after after registration. I went down to the there's that visitor center down there. You can watch the sled dogs go by. Um, right. So what what changed to you know be able to work that out? Because and I guess actually to clarify, the the issue is was was the issue that the some of the leaders of the sled dog race would be returning at the same time the racers would be returning into Marquette. No, the uh, the polar roll. Let's say we stay. Let's say we kept the course the same as it was the first couple of years. Yeah. Adding in the dog sled race on the same weekend, what would happen is we would be using the same three mile run into Lower Harbor. We'd be going in the same direction together. Okay. So you'd have the possibility of bikes passing sleds and dogs or sleds and dogs passing bikes. Yeah. And the thing we're most concerned about is just not knowing what dynamic that's going to create with, with the dogs. You know, we want to keep everybody safe. Yeah. Yeah. So then this year the race switched and started in, uh, started in Marquette and went to Ishmael all uphill. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Now, you know, that's a great clarification for us to make because I'm sure with the reputation that we've developed that, you know, people on the outside probably think, Oh, well, you know, big surprise. Todd and Danny decided to run this thing uphill because that's just what they do. That is, it's convenient because it fits our storyline. Right. And it's similar <laughs> to the Margie. Yeah. Yeah. But, but actually that's how, that's how it, there that's are, how it looks. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, you know, th- this is the stuff. So we're giving a peek behind the scenes of all the things that go on. That's actually not why we did what we did. We're not doing it just to try to stay consistent to some mantra of, you know, go uphill and suffer all day. Right. Um, it was, so here's what happened. We had, as I had mentioned earlier in year th- three, we gained access to some land out, you know, in that Hill Street area that CCI owns. Um, which was great. I mean, some of that was a great addition to the race because it gives you some really cool views of, you know, the, the tailings and, and the different things, you know, some of the mining uh, activity that occurs in the West End, you get to see that, which is neat. But you know, if there was a downside, like I said, it made our race shorter because there isn't as much property up there to work with. Right. So we had that we wanted to address. Well, in the meantime, as we came coming into year four, we found out, you know, we talked to CCI and we lost access to probably half of what they had let us use last year in that Hill Street area. Okay. So now, so now here we sit, we're on the same weekend again as dog sled race. Um, you know, we can't all finish in Marquette our course that we used in year three that was already too short has now been shortened even further for the long race. And on top of it, the great lakes fat bike series had decided to have us host the finale. So, you know, we're on the hook here to put on a a big event, a good, a good event, especially for the marquee, you know, the big one, because that's going to be the one that determines the series uh, winners for the year. So we had to, 
look at using the original course or the you know remnants of the original course from years one and two, but we can't finish downtown in Marquette. There's just nowhere to go. If we can't use the harbor, we're we're kind of stuck right now. Yeah, that's how we ended up um, having to run it from Marquette to Ishpeming. That's how we got there. And then you know, Danny and I looked at it and said, "Well, that's not terrible. <laughs> you know, it kind of fits. <laughs> it fits the reputation. So let's just do it." Because the yeah, and so we still used the same trail that the sled dogs did. But the thing is, they they headed out on it the night before and none of them were going to be turned around coming back, back in by Saturday morning. Right. Yeah. If there was uh so, you know, again, some of the behind the scenes stuff that happens, I mean, I was talking to Ross Anthony, Ross is the race director for the, the dog sled race. And, you know, I, you know, we've been having some regular conversation because looking ahead at the calendar, we're going to, be on the same weekend pretty much all the time. So one of the things we've talked about is, you know, long-term, how could we maybe package this weekend with both events and work together to kind of make it a uh, more integrated flow of just outdoor activity here in Marquette. Yeah. Um, Well, one of the things we did identify just before the, our race went off during the week lead up, was you know, I was looking at, okay, we're leaving at eight in the morning with the long race. We're going to be going out of Marquette against the grain that the dog sleds are coming into town. So I got a hold of Ross and I said, you know, what are, I don't, I don't know what the odds are. Could you tell me, could we have bikes? You know, could we have 230 bikes run into your lead dog team? Cause I had no idea when they typically get done. So we were monitoring that throughout the night. I think I got a uh, text from Ross at like three in the morning while we were out signing the snowmobile course. <laughs> he had said, I'm going to send it. He said, I'm going to send one or two emojis. He said, the thumbs up is we're good because he was monitoring the, the tracking time on the dog sled teams. Okay. So he was going to know if we were going to have a problem with, cross traffic running into one another. He said, I'm either going to send you a thumbs up or the poop emoji. And if it's the poop emoji, <laughs> you know, we got a problem. <laughs> so at three, about three or somewhere around there, I got the thumbs up and we were, we were good. Okay. I didn't realize it. They, they turned around and were making it back into town that fast. So, yeah. Um, I mean, different, different race. I mean, we didn't, we didn't know for sure. We didn't know for sure. It looks like we're always going to be okay. Like if we keep doing it this way, based on their historical times, you know, it, it looks like we'll never run the risk of having that overlap. Yeah. But you know, you can't assume anything and anything you do, you know, when you start going lax on the details and paying attention to the stuff that you think could never happen, but might, that's when you get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, the, the course the course was awesome. The uh, there's a, I got a, there's a couple questions I have on it, but um, we started off in the uh, and I'll talk about more in detail later about in my race report. But while I got you on here, we we hit the South Marquette trails and mm-hmm. we went up probably about the steepest and longest climb you're going to find in a fat bike race. Up is that that's the old Jeep trail, right? 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's called Jeep trail. Okay. And, uh, that was, it, it, it spread things out. And then the trails were just, they were, they were awesome. I mean, it was this, this winter, just all in general. I mean, our local trails here have been phenomenal riding, uh, for the winter, but, um, how many trail systems are in this, this race? You've got the South Marquette trails and you've got the, the Ishpeming trails. And, and is it that two different trail groups? Yeah. You're basically seeing the South trails, which is, uh, you know, groomed and maintained by the NTN here in Marquette and then range handles all the West end stuff on the other end of the snowmobile trail. Okay. So the snowmobile trail, that's one of the questions I have. Um, how do you guys work that out, out together? Cause I think that that comes up in various places and we, you know, we've, we've got a snowmobile trail that by our, my local trail system that we got to, you know, cross over and it's around our trails. How do you guys work with a snowmobile club to, to make that happen? Because it's, I've raced on that twice now up in Marquette and it's worked out great. You know, uh, that group, the board, I go and I meet with the board every year, uh, sometime around October, November. And we talk about the event and, you know, I, if I go back to the first year when I walked in for the first time to this group of guys, you know, the one fat biker in the room with, I don't know, eight or nine snowmobilers, I didn't know what the hell was going to happen. <laughs> you know, I didn't know if they were going <laughs> to kick me out of the door. Um, I had no idea, but aside from them harassing me um, in a playful way, They've been great. They really have been supportive of it. Uh, Don Britton in particular, you know, I think he's the president of the board. He's an advocate for trails in general, yeah. regardless of what your mode of transportation is. So he's been an advocate for us. Uh, Ron Yesney from the DNR has been a key figure. You know, we've we've just been lucky to have uh, cohesive, uh, relationships between ourselves as a race, the DNR, the cities, the snowmobile club. And, uh, you know, it, that snowmobile trail, <clears throat> I've had a couple people say, Oh, you know, I got buzzed by a snowmobile or this or that. And my response to that is <clears throat> it very well could happen. Yeah. But we all have to remember that in, in every user group, including mountain bikers and fat bikers. Yeah. You know, there's always that dude, uh, just like there's that dude or, or, you know, woman, I guess not to try to, you know, single anybody out. But there's <laughs> always that person who doesn't represent the entire group very well. Right. Yeah. But you can't judge a group based on what a, one or a couple idiots did. Yeah, absolutely. So and there's, there's, I guess there's, there's two things I could say about those. One, right? How many times is there a, a path that is typically used by walkers and recreational cyclists? And you're probably going to find some, you know, real serious cyclists buzzing, buzzing people on that trail, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, right? That happens too. But also, I guess what I would say too is um, if, you're, if you're a snowmobiler and you're coming down there, and not every snowmobiler is going to expect to see a fat biker, even though the course is signed like really well and they may they just you just don't know right so yeah but um it's it's been it's been a good thing you know i know that there's there's a 
some people don't appreciate the uh, snowmobile trail, but for this <laughs> event, for this event, it's, I like having it in there at packet pickup. I had some racers over by the big map, you know, and they were asking different questions yeah. about the course and I broke it down very simply. You know, I put my hand over the start and the South trail section. And I said, this is going to be really fun. You're going to like this. And then I put my other hand over the West end and the Ramba stuff. And I said, this is going to be really fun too. You're going to like this. <laughs> and then I, then I pointed to the middle, the snowmobile trail. And I said, this is a head game. This is, can you get through it in your head? <laughs> yeah. And that's just, what it is. Yeah. You just slog it out. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, the people I heard, I had a few stories. I don't know. I think you told me what your experience was, you know, the people who end up on that snowmobile trail alone, not working with other people. That's, that's where it really becomes a head game because I think there was a headwind that day. Yeah. So you're on that snowmobile trail in the headwind for what? Eight to 10 miles. Yeah. It's a long way. It's, it's longer than what you think it is in, uh, yes. Yeah. It, yes. Yeah. It, I, I like me. I personally, I, I, I love the course layout. It was a long race. I mean, it's hard. Um, yeah. And I mean, I was whatever, three hours and 50 minutes or something, you know, almost four hours out there and it's a hard race and you, you hit that snowmobile trail, but it, that's, I guess that's fat biking. So if you look at the course, in my opinion, it's got a, a little, it, well, I don't want to say a little bit of everything. It's got a lot of everything that you'd find while you're fat biking any type of fat bike event. Uh, yeah, that's probably true. If you go do Tuscobia or Arrowhead, right, you're on snowmobile trails. Um, but then everybody loves riding single track and there's tons of single tracks. So it's, it's cool. I, I, I liked I, it. Yeah. it was, and it was epic. And what, it was an epic event too. What you just said, actually, I, I pointed that out. Like, you know, some people will be like, oh, I had eight miles of the snowmobile trail. It just sucks. And I'll, then I'll counter and say, well, there's people who are doing races on snowmobile trail for hundreds of miles. Yeah. I mean, it's all part, it's all part of the game. It's all part of that you know, that experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's about. Cool. No, that, that was something I was curious about the snowmobile trail. So I, I think it's awesome. So that brings me to the other thing is so one of the things that I've always noticed, cause I've done very right, Margie guess at 100 a couple of times. Um, and then, uh, you know, I've been up there for order shore. I think I'm going to try to get back there this year. Um, that whole community around there, it seems like everybody works together. Like every event I've been to up there mm-hmm. is like an entire like community out there putting it on. Is what's what's unique mm-hmm. about you guys up there that makes that happen? I just think it's something in the you know uh, stealing a line from you know from the business side of my life. You know, you'll, you can read different things that will say, you know, what is culture? What is, uh, what is corporate culture? What is business culture? And the phrase culture is the way things get done. Yeah. Um, I just think that's Marquette County in that the way things get done is people do them together. So that's the culture. 
Uh, you know, does everybody love everybody? Is it a big kumbaya fest every day? No, <laughs> but when it when it comes down to, to doing the job and getting this stuff done and doing things that benefit the community, uh, all you got to do is point to what happens. Everybody they rally together and and they get it done. Yeah, it's just it's it's awesome. I, when I was I was thinking about it all, I was like, holy smokes! And I said, so there's streets shut down in downtown Marquette for this thing. Yep. Uh, you yep. get streets shut down, ta- shut down in, in Ishpeming. We've got snowmobile trail usage for eight to 10 miles. Um, you've got the school opened up and there was another event going on at the school too shared. And so there's a lot, uh, one, I don't know how you guys pull it all off. Cause there's a ton going, a ton going into that with the street crossings and all of that going on. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. So, uh, I, I, appreciate, the, uh, I appreciate what the, you guys do up there. That's why I, that's why I come up for your events, and that's why I kind of put some extra effort in in uh, uh, stuff I put out for them too. The point to point, um, the point to point nature of the event that we did this year, yeah, is much harder. I can't even really explain and articulate how much harder it is to, to do it that way versus like how we had it in year three with the loop where everything starts and ends at one spot. Yeah. You know, year three, that race from a race direction standpoint, and probably even from a grooming standpoint, I think we all felt like we were on vacation <laughs> because it was so easy. Okay. Because and remember, I mean, it's not that it's easy, but right. if you look at the, the loop, yeah, in, in relation to doing what we did this year or to uh, compare to what we have to do for Margie Gessick, you know, yeah. point to point, 100 miles across Market County. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to put it on, but, you know, we, we, are, we are in a unique spot where we have the ability to do it. You know, we have the land access to make it happen. And then we have the collaboration amongst many people in the community to help pull it off. So that does, it's advantageous for us. We're taking advantage of that. Other areas may not even have the opportunity to do this, whether it's because of lack of access or they just don't have enough man, manpower to pull it off. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's, it is pretty unique, but you guys are doing a pretty dang good job of uh, using the opportunity you have there. So, um, yeah, you know, I should give a shout just so I can say this on behalf of the cities yeah, and the, uh, you know, the local governments, you mentioned the cities being, you know, the streets being shut down in Marquette for the event. Yeah. You know, I had to, I had to go to the, the engineers department at the city and, you know, talk to them and I have to work with public safety and all these departments through the city of Marquette and all these departments through the city of Ishmael, they are fantastic. You know, if they weren't fantastic and if they weren't supportive, we'd never have events like this. Yeah. So they deserve they deserve a ton of credit, also because <clears throat> can't do it without them. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um. Uh, so speaking of that, a couple other things I have, and I know we're getting short on time here. Um. Who who are all the sponsors for the event, and and give some shout outs. Sponsors, title sponsor was Upper Hand uh, Brewing or Brewery. 
out of Escanaba. They've been great to work with, super supportive of uh, of the event and just really, really fun to work with. 45 North, of course. Um, they're, they're the, I believe, the title sponsor for the Fat Bike Series in general. They were also a sponsor of, of uh, the Polar Roll. Kurt does a great job for us every year. Uh, salsa was new this year. Uh, you know, and I can't say enough about Salsa and, and Mike and his team. We, met, we got connected to them through the Margie Gessick last year. They are okay. true professionals and a, uh, just a true gem within the, the bike industry. Great to work with, super supportive of our stuff. So it was good to have them on board. Border Grill. Um, <laughs> you heard about what happened with Border Grill this year, right? No. Oh, well, briefly. So Border Grill every year does the food at the after party. Yeah. And um, this year at four, like four, four thirty, I was at the finish line, still waiting for people to finish. And I got a phone call that, and these were the words that were used. There's been an explosion at Third Street. Oh no! That's our our yeah, that's our restaurant on Third Street. So you know, you hear that there's an explosion. You're like, oh my god! You know, just think of the mental yeah. picture that like, that brings up. So anyway, I called Dan, the owner, and uh, as it turned out, there was a fireball that came off. Uh, the stove from a gas buildup down on one of the burners. And when that gas buildup caught fire, it shot straight up and hit a sprinkler head and it set it off. All of the food for the after party was in that kitchen at that moment being prepped. So at four 30, we had a fireball at one of our restaurants. I was at the finish line waiting for people and we had, you know, Two, three hundred people coming to the after party in three hours looking for food, and all the food had just been ruined. <laughs> I mean, nobody was hurt or anything, right? Just a quick fireball. Oh, there was uh, there was a minor burn uh, for one of the employees that was nearby, but luckily everybody got out okay. Everybody was safe. the The biggest casualty was. You know, we had to close for a couple, uh, actually a few days. Oh wow! And uh, all the and all the polar roll food was shot. Ah, oh, dang! I I hadn't heard so, about that. No. Yeah, so we uh, we had to go into uh, recovery mode, and we ordered pizzas from five pizza places around Marquette, and we ended up having pizza this year instead of polar roll. <laughs> so I was wondering what what. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So I saw like different. Yeah, pizza so if anybody's wondering. <laughs> If anybody's wondering what happened to their tacos, that's what happened. Ah. Because normally the food at the after party is really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I stopped and got a burrito the next day from uh, from Border Grill, but the other one. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, a couple other sponsors, Hammer Nutrition. They're the uh, they're the the one sponsor that's been with us since year one. They've been okay. with us every year. So Hammer Nutrition's been, you know, they've been right there with us. They've also been there every year for us with Margie Gessick. Um, Contrast Coffee and Marquette, they were, they provided coffee at the start lines. And uh, I'm just trying to think, oh, Bike Jacket was there. I don't know if you saw them. She had set yep. up a, a demo at the uh, packet pickup. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and then Fox Nagani, they, uh, they let us use a truck to move everybody's drop bags. Oh, okay. 
So those are the sponsors. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, you've got some other stuff you're planning for this year. Do you want to take a, a couple minutes and kind of – you got Hammer and Margie and, and what else you got going on? Uh, the kids. Yep, we got uh, – So Margie's coming up, obviously. That uh, That's in September. That's going to be wild. Uh, it's going to be our largest field yet. Lots of new fresh meat. Lots of unfinished business. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It'll be, uh, I'm really me. looking forward to see how that, yeah, I'm looking forward to see how that plays out. The, uh, the interesting thing is, you know, we've had one or two runners each of the, the first few years try to do the 100 mile run. We're at 40 runners right now. 40 That'll runners be in the 100? 40 runners trying to do the 100 mile run. Holy smokes. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. That's awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. And then, uh, hammer's the new one and that's in July. I think it's around July 21st, 22nd. It's, it, you know, it's out there as a gravel event. We call it enhanced gravel, which means, it's a combination of, of gravel and trail and Jeep trail. Um, the thing that you know, what we're trying to do with the hammer is that event. So to, to, to participate in it, you're going to have to camp at base camp, which is going to be up at Forestville at that pole barn. There's some camping that's available up there. That's where the Margie leaves. You know, that's the start line for the Margie. Yeah. So that whole area is going to be converted into base camp, so to speak, for the hammer. Okay. And uh, you're going to have to, if you want to do the event, you're going to have to camp there because we're doing a random, unannounced start time. So the start time is going to be any time between 3 a.m. and 7 a.m. on Saturday morning. <laughs> and Brutal. so that's kind of, you know, a couple of people have said, oh, you know, it's kind of like the Barkley uh, Marathon. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, that, I guess it kind of is. Um, no idea when we'll start. I honestly, myself don't know right now when we'll, we'll start that event, but you know, we're, we're going to get it going. And then there's two, there's basically two events you can do. You can do the sledgehammer, which is 180 mile enhanced gravel ride that takes you in this huge loop through the UP. Um, if you go to the website, hammerrace.com, I believe there is a, a uh, a Strava link. So you can kind of look at what the course looks like last year. Cause I, I've done, we've done this route two years in a row. So okay. we have actually done this route. All right. So you can do that. You can do that event. Okay, cool. You could do that event, 180 miles. It's self-supported for the most part. Um, you got to have a GPS because you're going to be following a, a GPX course. Kind of like what we tell people to do with the Margie course won't be signed and you know each year that we've done it the last couple of years that's what we do we go out with our garmin we got the course loaded there are no course markings and you just go out and you get it done and this for this, right now, I think this one have, it literally won't be marked though right it will not be marked okay if you're looking for an arrow anywhere you're in trouble <laughs> <laughs> I think we have 15 people signed up to do it right now, which is really exciting because we've never had more than like three or four people do it 
each year. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. That I'm telling you, that ride, I think for the people who do it, the people who come up and do it, they are going to come away saying that was rad. It's just a great route. It takes you through areas of the UP that you just, the only thing you may see is a moose or a black bear. You're not going to see people. I've been looking at it and I had, uh, I, it'll probably be on my list the following year. I signed up for something, something stupid the weekend before that I'm hoping (laughs) hoping I finish by that weekend actually. Yeah. Awesome. I like it. The other option, if you don't want to do 180 mile grinder is the team hammer concept. So the teams, the two person teams who show up, that morning when we announced the random start time, they'll be given USGS maps and the maps will have checkpoints on them. Those teams have 12 hours to collect or make it to, and, you know, to get to as many of the checkpoints as they can or slash want to get to. Okay. And then, and then get back, to the start, which would also be the finish. So you got 12 hours to go out and collect as many checkpoints as you can. The team that collects the most checkpoints in the least amount of time will end up, you know, being the quote winner. Yeah. There's no race course. You get your given maps and you can pick your route. So no two teams are going to have the same race experience. And they can, they can either stick together or split up, right? They can't split up. Oh, they can't split up. Okay. They they have to stick together. They have to stay together. Okay. Yes. They have to stay together. Um, and then they can, you know, 10 teams could see a checkpoint and take five to 10 different ways to that checkpoint. It's all up to how they want to go about it. Right, right. Okay. So it's really more just a fun adventure type orienteerings involved. Uh, you know, we're going to allow people to use GPS units. Um, we don't want anybody getting lost out there, but <clears throat> we think it's gonna be a lot of fun. You know, there's other events like this around the country that we're looking at kind of modeling off of a little bit. It's new to this area. So people are, you know, when they're hearing about it, they're like, so how does this work? <laughs> I'd say if anybody has questions on it, if they're like on the fence, if they want to do it, they should just get a hold of me and I can talk them through it. Awesome. No, it, 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 uh, it sounds like fun. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things where we're trying to get, a, I mean, we do enough races where we're following the more traditional path of, you know, here's the race course and just the, the typical walkthrough of an event. Yeah. This one, uh, you know, all the teams, everybody's going to be camping from base camp together for the weekend. Um, we see it as not not so much a race, but just an experience. Yeah. That's that's what we're shooting for. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, quite honestly, I mean, I, so I always pick out a lot of races to go to and try to find some new ones to go to each year. But, I mean, what I'm looking for out of those are experiences. Um Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm looking for a, a really neat new experience where I get to uh, race on some new trail that I've never ridden before uh, or mm-hmm. uh, um, just a, a, a new weekend experience, hanging out with new people, whatever it is. Um, 
mm-hmm. think the majority of people that go to a new race, that's what they're, the race is on their mind, but they're, it's actually the new, new experience that you come away with. You've, you've done, um, you've done Wausau 24, right? No, no, I've never done it. I've never done a 12 hour or 24 hour race. The only 12 hour race I've ever done okay. is uh Margie Gassick in Mata Hay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if anybody listens to this podcast of us talking, if they've done the twenty Wausau twenty four, the you know that I would the Wausau twenty four. I did it for the first time last year. I'm going to do it again this year. I'm doing the solo twenty four this year. What I found unique about Wausau is that you know you're there for twenty four hours. Everybody, all the teams, all the people, everybody's there camping together. Yeah. And then, you know, people are out on course and everybody's doing their thing. It's very com- communal. It's a community for a weekend. Okay. That's that's how I see base camp. So from base camp, you know, Friday, everybody's going to be there hanging out. Um, campfires, you know, who knows what will be going on. Yeah. But everybody will be together Friday night. Saturday, the, you know, the alarm goes off. We all get out. From that point... I think there's going to be people coming and going from base camp all day, but it'll really be a unique experience where, you know, you're, you're literally spending the weekend with everybody that's there at the venue. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I've been to some races like that where you camped out at the start and finish line for the weekend. And it was there. They were awesome. So, yeah. And we've got a few, interestingly enough, we've got a few parent, um, child teams that have signed up to do this. Um, I don't know that we've had anybody from out of town, but I know we've had some of the 906 dads, you know, who are coaches for the various clubs we do up here. Yeah. They're going to be, they're going to be doing the team hammer with their sons or daughters. Um, and I think that's really cool. That's that's, really neat because, you know, it's it's their opportunity to go out for that day and, you know, do something a little different with, uh, with their kids. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. So, and I I know you got to run here soon. Do you want to take a minute to tell us about kind of what you got going on with 906 Polar Roll and then anything else you want to share and I can, I can let you go. Uh, 906 Polar Roll or are you talking about? I'm sorry, uh, 906 Adventure Team. Yeah. You know, I can summarize it like this. Um, This year, the the cool news with Adventure Team and our, and our youth uh, programming is that last year we did one school club, one mountain bike school club was basically an after school club. We did one last year. We're going to do three this year. So we're going to be at Bothwell Middle School, Marquette. We're getting into the Marquette Senior High School and we're getting into the Ishpeming High School. Uh, And we'll do those, you know, from late April until school ends. Just a great way, one day a week, get kids together, go for a ride for 90 minutes and, you know, just go out and explore the world around them. Last year when we started the Bothwell Club, there were 30 kids in it. <laughs> the school was shocked by how many kids signed up. And huh. I'll admit I was a little shocked. I was a little shocked too. <laughs> so that's super fun. And awesome. what's cool about it is it serves as a feeder then for the Adventure Bike Club that we do in the summer. Last year we did Adventure Bike Club um, just after school until July 1st. This year, I think, as it looks right now, we're going to do Adventure Bike Club through the summer. So June, after school ends, through August. Wow. 
and that'll be and it'll be one or two days a week where um you know a certain number of kids will probably have to cap it again because we only have so many coaches and we keep a six to one ratio we try to keep the the most important thing aside from having fun is that it's safe so we have certain parameters we have to you know stay within to keep things safe uh but we got adventure bike club that'll run longer this summer july 1st is the beginning of the uh the nika season um high school racing so that'll start up uh for us as well and that you know that's basically for any middle schoolers or high schoolers who aspire to race their bike they can join that team uh from anywhere in marquette county okay um, and I guess the other thing I should add is that we are partnering with the Delta County um, Non-Motorized Trail Network, which is down in Escanaba and Gladstone, an hour away from us. Yeah. And we're helping them start uh, some 906 adventure clubs and eventually bike programs down there. Sweet. So that's new this spring. They're gonna they're gonna be uh, running some youth programs down there for uh, Delta County kids. It's awesome. It's growing. I, it, it's uh, that's really cool. Uh, just for clarification for people, nine hundred six is the area code in the UP. If people want to know where that yes. came from. So. Yep. Yeah. I mean, who knows? We'll see. Maybe someday we'll have nine hundred six. Uh, you know, programs. Uh, throughout the upper peninsula for, for kids all over the place. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I think it's great what you guys are doing. I mean, I, I'm six and a half hours away. I'm in, I'm in Minnesota, but, uh, uh, I can't help but get caught up in what you guys are doing up there. That's why, that's why I come up for the event. So, uh, appreciate it. It's awesome. So, uh, yeah, man. Well, we appreciate you coming up. Anything else you want to add? No. Um, I think we're good, man. Good deal. I think we're I, good. I appreciate you having me on. No, I, I I appreciate you doing this. Maybe we'll have to get back together and uh, talk about your uh, some of your 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 blogs and posting you've been doing with these uh, doing hard things as well. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, so people check it out. So I enjoy reading that stuff. Yeah, would love to talk about that sometime. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We'll you bet. Anytime. All right. All right, brother. Awesome. Thanks Happy a lot, Friday. Todd. Yeah, you too, man. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. So I'm back and super appreciate the intro and uh, opening for this with uh, Todd Poquette. That was awesome to have him on and kind of talk about the race and all the stuff going on up there. We, uh, when we got together, we said, we got two ways we can do this. We can kind of talk through this with my race report or uh, just talk about polar roll in general and the setup. And there's a lot of stuff I wanted to ask Todd about. And so we ended up just doing a, a separate thing and him and I had awesome discussions. So, uh, I'll have to get him back on and talk about doing hard things, but, uh, here we go. So I'll walk through my race report. I'll try to keep it short. Um, you know, I kind of always wondered, you know, is this, how does this work with me just kind of going through this? Is it valuable for people? And every time I kind of question whether it is or not, I run into somebody or I get a message from somebody that says, Hey, your report was helpful. It helped me figure out the race and, you know, or they've already done the race, so they don't need to figure anything out, but they kind of enjoyed listening back to someone else's report and it kind of puts them back in place, back into the race. So, uh, here I am. I'll keep, keep, keep doing these. So, 
Um, anyways, uh, personally, this was best pull roll for me anyways, or I guess in general, I just, the, uh, it was my third one. And, you know, we, I talked a little bit about this with Todd, the, you know, my first one was the second polar roll, um, that happened and actually course was really good, even though it was, uh, I'm sorry, my very first one was, uh, the year that it like rained and everything was just super soft and it took forever and it was a long day out there. My second polar roll was last year when it was, uh, in 2017, when it was, it was a right around, it was a little above freezing and, but the trails held up fantastic. Uh, and then my third polar roll this year, 2018, uh, to me, I don't know. I, I love the, the, the point to point. I know a whole lot more work goes into that. Um, and, uh, starting in Marquette, finishing in Ishpeming, I, I just thought it was cool. So I liked the trails were awesome. Um, yeah, the, the snowmobile trails hard and whatever, but I feel like, um, you know, it was long enough to make it a really cool end of fat bike season, epic event. Um, for those not interested in like the all out, you know, ultra fat bike races, you know, um, but this, this was long enough to make it a really hard endurance fat bike race, uh, but still had amazing single track. And then you had the snowmobile section to fight through. So I don't know, for me, I, I really enjoyed it. So, um, just to kind of a quick review it. So the course started in downtown Marquette, it hits the South Marquette trails, snowmobile trail, and then all the stuff down in, uh, Nagani and Ishwaming. Um, course elevation, um, uh, you know, and I actually, I, I can remember a look, but I, it, uh, it's, it, it rises in elevation to the whole time. There's, you know, the, the snowmobile trail is uphill, but it's more of a false flat for most of it. And then there is some flat stuff, but when you're in the single track, for the most part, you're going up or down. So, um, and then the, the race starts out with a couple of big, big climbs. Uh, so Really quick, I've been asked this in the past to include my uh, gear setup. So quickly, my bike, uh, new bike for me this past December. Um, it's a Trek Farley carbon frame, and I've got the Bontrager carbon Wampa 27 and a half inch wheels with the four and a half inch uh, Barbagazi tires. Um, you know, I was riding 26 inch before with 4.6 inch tires uh, on, a, on a specialized fat boy. Uh, but I don't know I, I like the 27 and a halfs and, uh, they seem to roll really awesome. Those Barbagazi tires, um, they, they, they grip really well on good, hard packed, uh, groomed single track. Um, you know, when it's a little bit loose or whatnot, they don't, uh, they don't grip as well as the Bontrager narwhals. Uh, the narwhals have a much bigger lugs on them. I've ridden those. Uh, they're, they're a great front tire, but they, they definitely don't roll as fast, uh, but they grip, they grip better. So it's kind of that, that trade-off when I'm, you know, for me, most of the, this year anyways, has been really well-groomed single track. Some of it's been groomed so well. And just the conditions this year have been like riding snow on dirt. Uh, so it's been amazing. So the Barbagazis have worked out really, really well. Um, I'm running a GX 12 speed Eagle setup with, uh, the XO cranks. Uh, I would have just had the, the GX cranks, but there, there happened to be a closeout on the, the XO cranks when I was getting ready to order them. So that's why I ended up with those. Um, I was a two by 10 guy in the past. Um, and last year I had actually broke a, 
um, the small ring off of my, my two by 10 setup on my fat bike. And so I just converted it to a one by, and I, I really like that on a fat bike, I, a one by 10, you can totally get away with that. Uh, very few times that I feel like I ran out of gear. Um, however, the 12 speed one by setup on a fat bike is pretty amazing. I'm looking forward to riding it in the summer. And for those, you know, that have looked at the Eagle setups in the past, they were super, super expensive and just, I don't know, it's just it's crazy. Uh, but the GX stuff is really, really affordable. So, uh, if you're interested in it, I would definitely take a look at the GX setup. It's really actually the cassette is not that much heavier. I think maybe like a quarter pound than, uh, the really expensive, uh, um, XO stuff. And, uh, as far as the, the crank, I mean, it's, it's a little bit heavier, right? It's aluminum crank versus the carbon, but, um, it's, I think it's probably worth it. So, um, my brakes are, uh, the Shimano XTs. Um, I don't have the, you know, heat sink rotors on it. Um, I just have like, I guess, would it be like the STX level rotors, but I, I'm a big fan of the Shimano XT brakes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I had to build the bike up when I did it. So it's not a, a stock, uh, Farley carbon it's, but it's very similar build, I guess, to, a to a nine, eight. Uh, as far as the spare parts I carried on the bike, I carried a Topeak, um, Hexus multi-tool, uh, kind of like the previous generation of one. I noticed that Topeak has a new one out and it, I believe it fixes some of the issues I had with the current Hexus that I have. So, uh, anyways, that's a great multi-tool. It's got tire levers, chain tool, pretty much everything I need on it. So that's all I need to carry. I carried a 25 gram air cartridge with, uh, my genuine innovations air chuck, uh, love that air chuck. It actually stays sealed. So I can just put it on a cartridge and like, it'll stay sealed up for three months or something like that. And then, uh, a SRAM power link in case I did break a chain, but that's actually all I carried on this race for spare parts. I'm running a tubeless setup and those tires seal up amazing on the, uh, uh, the Wampa wheels. So super happy with that. As far as my nutrition goes, I carried, carried two, uh, thermal, like insulated bottles, uh, and one regular bottle. So, uh, the one problem that I have with those insulated bottles is they're too long to fit on my seat tube water bottle cage. Um, not on the back of my seat tube, but, um, inside the triangle on that, it, it, the, it hits the top tube anyways. So what I did is I started the race with one full insulated bottle on my down tube one full insulated bottle in my Jersey pocket. Uh, both of them had a carbo rocket mix in them. And then on, I just, so I carried a regular bottle that fit in that other bottle cage, the, the vertical one. And I just had carbo rocket powder in it. So I didn't have any, uh, water mix in it. Um, and so then later in the race, I, you know, I didn't want to freeze up. I had two bottles so I could, uh, stop and fill it up at an aid station. As far as my clothing, I wore the Sturmfist, uh, the 45 North Sturmfist four gloves. Um, hands were cold getting started and it took me about an hour to warm up. I just think I let them get cold at the start. Um, but I, I just, I always have cold hand issues, uh, but they were pretty good for a majority of the race. I started to kind of freeze up again toward the end, but, um, but I think it's cause I ended up getting sweaty in them for a couple hours once my hands warmed up. 
Uh, I wore the Bontrager Old Man Winter boots. Um, toes, toes got a little bit cold toward the end, but overall pretty pretty happy with these. Uh, I did have a toe, toe warmer in each one. I'm guessing maybe my toes got a little bit sweaty uh, during the near four hours of the race and, and so the last half hour or so that uh, started to get cold. Uh, as far as other clothing, uh, Bontrager B2 base layer. Love that base layer. I was using it for skiing too. Uh, just seems to regulate really well. It's like a blend of merino wool and polyester, I think. Uh, and then my Cyclova summer jersey as a mid layer and Cyclova ski suit as a top outer layer. The depends on the temperatures. So the reason I wore the bike jersey as the mid layer is so that I could store my other water bottle and extra food or whatever underneath the outer layer to, you know, delay the freeze. Um, if temperatures are near 30, then I'll wear that summer Jersey on the outside of the ski suit. Um, the, as far as, uh, bibs, I wore the Bontrager B1 Velocity thermal bibs with a summer baggy liner chamois shorts underneath. Uh, that's awesome. Those, those bibs, those bibs are really, really awesome. I, I've, I've skied in those a couple times too. Um, they say they're for above freezing, but, um, like racing, whatever, uh, they're perfect for 15 to 20 degrees. So, and, and probably well into colder temps. So as far as the, the race goes, uh, downtown Marquette, everybody started lining up in the gate. Uh, I found my way in there and I was sitting at about the fourth row. And then I, I kind of looked up and there was like a bunch of bare spots about 10, 15, whatever minutes before the start up in the second row. And so I, uh, I went ahead and moved up into the, the second row, but it was, it's fairly wide out there. So I don't know, uh, the first two rows probably added up to about 20 people. It's a fairly controlled rollout. Um, we had, did hit the snowmobile trail faster than I anticipated. I was thinking we were going to take that side street longer, but, uh, I was wrong. And two lines formed pretty quickly on that snowmobile trail. And everybody was, you know how it happens, like the two lines moving back and forth. So one time you're moving up and then you're moving back and, you know, somebody kind of waffles it up a little bit in the trail and then your whole line starts to fall back. But, um, I stayed up in there in like the top 20. I think my, there was a video or something I saw or my wife, somebody sent my wife a video and, and, uh, she said I was sitting like 19th or 20th or something when, uh, we came up the snowmobile trail before hitting the big climb. Um, we hit that snowmobile trail to make the, the climb up, a they call it Jeep trail. Um, I was, when he kind of hit that first bit of single track, I wasn't quite sure where my traction was at. It's always, I always feel awkward when I first get into that in races and I, I don't know why, but, uh, like my fingers were kind of freezing up and I was a little uncomfortable. We hit some twists and turns and, and then all of a sudden we, you know, we kind of hit the hill and started working our way up. Uh, it was a really steep grade. Uh, and I don't think you're going to find, I mean, in, in fat bike racing, especially fat bike, single track racing. Like I don't, you're probably not going to find too many where you have that steep of a grade on single track for, uh, that long. So, um, we were, we were, we, we hit that climb pretty hard and I don't think I ever shifted into that 50 tooth ring, but I don't know, up in front of me, you could, you could look ahead and you could see the gap starting to form, um, as riders here and there weren't keeping paces. 
Uh, I made up a few spots on the climb with a couple of folks on, you know, right behind me chasing, uh, but not fast enough to avoid a gap forming out in front. Um, the uh, We dumped out at the top, headed across some open parking lot area, and that's where we made that crossing under the road. It's called 553 along the creek. My wife was there. She was taking some pictures, and, and she said I came through there sitting in about 15th um, place. So I had made up a few spots on that, on the Jeep trail climb. Uh, but I was, there's the, the lead pack, had, lead group had definitely split a gap already. And I, I think my wife said like Jordan Wakeley was, came through there solo, uh, and had already put a gap in at the top of the trail. So, uh, going from five, five, three to the snowmobile trail. So we took a little icy path, uh, underneath the bridge. It had been sanded though. Uh, on the other side was more single track climbing. We had a little bit of twisty single track that went up before hitting Benson grade, uh, and then started along another long, steep climb. Uh, I, I actually, and I wrote this in my report. I can't remember exactly how things went up Benson. Um, I might've gotten passed by somebody headed up Benson, maybe, maybe a couple folks. I can't, I can't remember. Um, I think I might've passed somebody myself going up as well. So I'm, I'm not sure how it all worked out at the top of Benson grade. Uh, we dumped down what I believe is called pipe dreams. And I remember seeing something about pipe dreams on the, like the pre-race stuff. And the pipe dreams trail that I remember is the one where you actually ride down that pipe. And I was trying to figure out like how the heck that was going to happen in the winter time. Uh, Cause we did ride down that in Margie, but we rode the, uh, the, we didn't ride down that pipe where you can slip off each side. So, but anyways, it, um, it was some fast downhill stuff. Uh, I had a little space in front of me and a few riders back with plenty of breathing room. So I, I didn't, I could ride my pace. Um, I was also starting to realize that I probably had a little more traction than I, I thought I'd have. Uh, even though like, the, you get that kind of glare and it looks like the trail slick, but it wasn't, it was, it was fairly tacky. Uh, at the bottom of pipe dreams, I was rolling really hot, completely blew uh, a hard right hand turn. Turn was marked and everything, but I was just I don't know if I looked down quick when it was coming up and I was moving pretty fast. I blew right past it, uh, slammed on the brakes. I yelled back because I knew there's some folks behind me to turn right. Um, and then I ended up dropping like three spots in the process of getting turned around and back on the trail and going the right way. Um, the, the first guy that had went by in that process was hauling out pretty good. I don't know if I ever saw him again. I can't remember actually. But um, I was back on the wheel of the second and third person that had passed me when I blew the corner um, fairly quick. And then then there were some other riders starting to come up behind me now as well. I was pretty patient. Uh, and then we eventually came to an opening where I made my pass with a couple other folks coming with. Uh, I had one rider that was catching me on the hills and then I would pull away on the twisty stuff. He eventually ended up passing me and disappeared out in front of me. Uh, somebody yelled from behind me, uh, at some point that these trails were, were not quite as good as Wooly or something to that effect. Uh, the Wooly and the Wooly Bike Club trails have been amazing, uh, this year. So, um, and as amazing as Wooly trails have been, it's, I mean, the Marquette trails were awesome and there's just tons and tons of miles of them. So, uh, it, it's actually, it's really hard to beat Marquette. So, but uh, for sure, I know a lot of folks have been enjoying the Wooly Bike Club trails up in, in St. Croix Falls. Uh, so back to the racing, I uh, I think I dropped a spot or two somewhere in this section. And I think it was to the, one of them was the one I'd said where 
Uh, actually, I just think it was the same guy that had mentioned the Woolly Bike Cup trails. He was the one that was catching me on the climbs, and then um, I was kind of pulling away on the 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 twisty single track stuff. But uh, it's like to him and someone else. Um, the the trails in this section were they were awesome. There was a couple of spots where maybe it was a little bit slick, but like the way that it's groomed out there, and the, the, there's like a wall on the edges of the trails just from it being packed in and then the snow piling up on the sides and you could kind of use the edge of that to, to keep you upright. So, um, there was a couple of like pretty slick downhills, but they had, they had been sanded. So it was just, it was really, really, really great. So, um, this, this section of the race was actually my highest average heart rate of about 160 beats per minute. Um, and actually where I hit my max heart rate on the day of like 172. So this is, this is actually for a sub four hour race comparative to say like when I did some of the, like say Wooly bike club four hour race last year. Um, this is actually less than that average that I did for the entire race. Um, of course it is winter time too. So, um, it just, at the end of the day, I was pretty comfortable, uh, for most of the race. Uh, and then I'll talk about this later, but yeah, except for some, the, the nasty leg cramps that fired up about three and a half hours in. Uh, so snowmobile trail to Hill Street. So this is that snowmobile trail section that everybody's like, ah, you know, don't like it. They're good with it or, you know, whatever it is. So um, I'm done with the first set of single track. Um, this, this snowmobile trail was really actually more of a fault flat. There's a few little hills in it, but... Um, I mentioned this in the podcast uh, or this, you know, my conversation with Todd, uh, but, you know, it was faster going up this, the snowmobile trail this year than it was uh, a couple years ago going down it. So anyways, there was an aid station when we first dumped out on the snowmobile trail. Uh, I rode straight through as I had my own stuff and, you know, I just didn't feel like stopping, spilling water on my gloves or, or whatnot. But, um, so after crossing the road on the other side of the aid station, I relaxed a bit, grabbed my own water bottle, saw a couple people ahead, but I didn't re- realize anybody was behind me and I must have drifted off over a bit or something like that. And when I, somebody was passing me, we clipped bars. I actually crashed and went down. Uh, and then I kind of watched as a few folks ahead and that guy kind of latched together and, and kind of riding away. Um, I actually saw that guy later at the finish and he, he brought it up and apologized but there, I, I wrote this in my report. There really wasn't anything to apologize for because, I don't know, I just, that stuff happened. That, that's, that's part of, like, racing. I, he was coming by me. I didn't, uh, he probably didn't expect me to go drifting over, and I should have held my line anyway. So um, I just bring it up because, like, I've been on the trail, and I see people get all up in arms about somebody crashing in front of them. They get frustrated and whatever, and it's just... <clears throat> That's what, that's, 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 that's part of it. And that, you, just, you can't let that stuff get you all riled up. Just enjoy it. I mean, the first time you get upset about something happening, um, the next time you're going to be the guy that causes the problem. So, uh, anyways, but, um, anyways, I got back on my bike moving forward again. I caught a solo rider that was split between me and that small group ahead. I was, I was feeling, I was feeling really good. Uh, and I, I really wanted to try to catch that group 
And I ended up taking the pull till we caught that small group ahead. And I can't remember exactly how far that pull was, probably like four miles. So it's pretty much like running it solo. Uh, when we caught that group, uh, we caught up to them and like they were all kind of like sat up all of a sudden. And I'm not sure if everybody was trying to figure out who was going to take the lead or whatever, but uh, it was kind of a, I wanted to get moving and the effort had dialed back. And, um, so I picked up the pace and went around and just took off the front, uh, figured I was either going to solo or was going to inspire some help. So, uh, but I, I just didn't want to sit up there and let another group catch us from behind. Uh, pretty sure I put a little gap on them, but it didn't take that long for them to get organized and then latched back onto my wheel. I pulled for quite a while and then probably, which I wrote this in my report, probably wasn't the smartest thing to do. Uh, but then again, I just, I don't know, I wasn't willing to dial back the pace either. Um, even if that meant pulling, pulling the whole time. So just before Eagle Mills, one of the guys came around front and took a pull and, uh, he said something, he's like, here, I'll give you some help. Uh, but I had emptied both my insulated bottles, uh, carbo rocket at this point. So I went, I went ahead and pulled off at Eagle Mills aid station to refill. Um, the aid station volunteers filled, one of my insulated bottles with water. Uh, so I just had water in that one and then filled up the extra bottle that had the carbo rocket pattern uh, already in it uh, and ready to go. So I lost that group now. So I was on my own again, and uh, which is which is fine. So, um, and then I had wrote this uh, for reference, the Eagle Mills aid station was less than halfway to the Hill Street trails, but it was probably a little past halfway point of being on the snowmobile trail. Uh, so for a short period, I actually thought I was going to reel that group back in. I was making some headway on them. I could kind of see them out there, but it never happened. And they, they maintained their gap until, uh, we hit some more of those up and down hills and then, uh, got in the way of visibility. And then I, I never saw them again, uh, and soloed my way all the way up to Hill street. So inevitably I pretty much, well, I was either taking a pull or solo. So he could. I, I worked that entire snowmobile trail and, uh, it was awesome. I don't know. It's, I embraced it. So, uh, so on the way up Hill street, I decided to dip into, uh, a can of my, I had a can of Red Bull in my Jersey pocket, uh, kind of like emergency thing. I don't know, maybe kind of silly to carry that the whole time, but, uh, I had already drank the other bottle of Carbo rocket and figured I was going to need something to get me through the last hour on the trail. Uh, so I actually kind of just soft pedal, took it easy up Hill Street, downed my Red Bull, um, uh, before trying to get the empty can stuffed back in my Jersey pocket. So trying to, you know, you had as you trying to get something in Jersey pocket. This is where it's at because that Jersey pocket, that Jersey pocket was like my mid layer, right? So um, I was kind of I was riding up, and then I heard something hit the road and looked back down the hill and saw my um, Red Bull can roll down. Uh, so I just, I stopped, laid my bike down and ran down the street, picked up my Red Bull can. And as I was picking it up, saw a whole group of riders coming around the corner from the back, from down the bottom of the hill. And then one rider passing me. Uh, so I, uh, ran back to my bike fast, stuffed the Red Bull can in my Jersey pocket and, uh, like took off, uh, so that that next group didn't catch me. <clears throat> so Hill street trails. Uh, as we were talking with Todd, this area was a little less trail system than the previous year, but 
So I was I was familiar with this this trail entrance because this was actually the start of the 2017 polar roll. Uh, so I put in I put in a little extra effort to uh, try to get some space from that group of folks that were chasing, uh, and I was pretty successful. Other than one other rider that uh, kind of snuck up on me, um, I had to bail and hike up the first part of one of the really steep hills that was back there, and I think I. I that was the same one from the previous year as well. Um, we didn't ride all the Hill Street trails, as I had mentioned. Um, in in my report, I kind of made a joke and said maybe Todd's getting soft on us, but uh, he kind of explained the land access stuff in at the front of this podcast. So uh, I came by what I believe was a bunch of folks from Black Rocks Brewery. I'm not sure. I just I went through there, kind of just riding and racing. I didn't stop. Uh, but I think that's what other people had said that, uh, that that was Black Rocks folks. Um, they, they looked like they were having a, a good time and, uh, they were kind of screaming, hooting and hollering. And I kind of, they, they get y'all excited. And there's like, there was like a long kind of flowy, really fast trail. And the lake was off to the right after that. And, uh, I just kind of went into it and let it rip. And, uh, it was fast, but I was feeling, I don't know, I was feeling pretty good on it and, uh, went. So, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that chase group was starting to reel me in at that point. Um, but by the time we got to the bottom, only one of the guys had stayed with me. And then we'd put a gap on the rest of them. Um, the climbs back out of this area uh, around the other side of the lake was pretty tough. And there was a few of them that were a little bit loose, but I actually made it up all of them. Um, we dumped out on this wider path that led out to Division Street. Um, and that other rider was, was still on my wheel. So uh, from them there to the finish line. So I can't remember exactly, but I think I had asked that other rider if he wanted to get by me. And, um, he mentioned he was starting to cramp. I think of this as we were getting back into the, the, the single track again. I was too. Uh, I, I could, I could feel the warning signs coming on. Um, I was, I was doing okay still. And then, and then we hit, uh, that really tight single track that I think is snowshoed in that Todd and I had talked about and my legs like just locked right up <clears throat> as I was headed up one of those hills and I fell complete right over sideways <clears throat> uh, into the snowbank, completely still clipped in and everything. So the other guy, he asked me if I was okay. I was like, yeah, I'm good. Just going to sit here for a second, try to get these cramps out. Um, he, so I locked, dropped a spot there. Uh, I eventually came out, uh, eventually got up and then just, I walked my bike up the hill, I was trying to stretch out the legs, uh, try to get the, the cramps to calm down. I uh, I always talk. I've talked about those pickle juice pickle juice shots in the past, and I I ran out of them, so I, I need to get some more of them. Uh, so I didn't I didn't really have anything to help get rid of the cramps, uh, other than to just kind of dial my effort back. And uh, I thought maybe walking them off would 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 help. Uh, I didn't really have a choice anyways, because I where that trail was at, I wasn't going to get back on my bike halfway up it and be able to, to pedal. So, um, is, yeah, I, I, and I, I wrote this in my report that it was a bit frustrated. Um, cause in general, and, in, and especially in hindsight, looking back when I looked at kind of like my ride date and stuff overall, I actually had braced somewhat conservative, uh, even though I had kind of soloed a lot of the snowmobile trail and whatnot. I mean, for a sub four hour race, uh, I've definitely raced harder for that amount of time. And yeah, I mean, my overall effort, I guess, for this race was 
a little bit closer to something that would be in the six plus hour range. So anyways, a little frustrating. Um, so I got back on the bike, soft pedaled for a little bit, eased my way back into it. I think I ended up getting passed by a couple more, a couple more riders soon after this. I hadn't looked at the course map much and I wasn't sure where I was at on it. Uh, but I eventually came out to the bacon and hug station. I didn't stop. I, I just, I kept moving. I figured we were getting close. Uh, so anyways, I knew where we were at at this point and I was on that long stretch that led back to Nagani. I came up on a rider that I ended up passing and he asked how much further I told my GPS was reading about 35 miles at this point. Uh, but I also noted that we were, we were headed away from the finish line and toward Nagani. So I, I didn't, who knows? Uh, at the time I was like, eh, maybe it's more than five miles back. I'm not sure. So I dropped down that flight of stairs going into Nagani and then up the short flight from the Margie Gessick. They were like pretty easy. I mean, you can ride up them in the summertime too. They're short enough flight, uh, but they're almost pretty much not steps in the wintertime because they're all packed in with snow. Um, you actually wouldn't even know they're there. Um, again, I, as I mentioned, I hadn't looked at the map too closely, but I was thinking that we were kind of a near direct shot back to the finish line. Cause I just always remember, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's like a straight line there kind of on the, the south side of those trails. It's almost like a, maybe there used to be an old rail, you know, line that went through or something like that. Um, but, uh, I would, I was, I was wrong. So, uh, we did get dumped back into some really tight single track. It wasn't a ton, but I was out of fuel at this point and I was fighting off the of leg cramps. I didn't really have anybody around me when I entered it, but I got, I got caught fast, uh, between the trail being a little icy and me getting a little twitchy on the bike with my fatigue and cramps. So, uh, I felt like a, <laughs> this is that, like a, there was a tight section that was, and it was slick. Uh, I literally felt like a pinball. And I remember mentioning it to somebody or joking with some, somebody that was behind me who ended up passing me, um, that like, you're just like bouncing back and forth on that trail, uh, off those raised edges of the snow. So I eventually, yeah, I wiped out a couple of times, uh, ended up losing more spots in traffic and then eventually dumping out of that section. So finally I was out on the trail, recognized the snowmobile trail back toward the finish line. I made that last left-hand turn onto the pavement and gave it everything I had left and sprinted across the finish line solo. Um, I don't know, like there wasn't really anybody around me, but that's just something I, rather there's anybody with me going into the finish line or not, I, not most of the time anyways, it's like, uh, if I'm feeling like I got beat up a little bit in the race or whatever, I don't know. It's that last kind of little win of the race is to, uh, you know, whatever you got left in the tank to leave it out there going through the finish line and last little feel good before you finish the race. So you kind of, regardless of how the race went for you, you know, you, you feel like you did good. So I don't know. So I ended up finishing 22nd, uh, place overall with a time of three hours and 51 minutes. So, um, I got a couple other things I'll add here. So just fun time, the Jan Rubel classic, kind of fun ski hill thing that was awesome at the after party um <laughs> good stuff there was only like four or five of us or something that that did this thing and so the deal was you had to ride your bike up to some stakes that were like halfway up the hill and then from that point you could you could push your bike uh up to where there was three people standing 
if I remember correctly, one of them had nothing. The other had one a $1 bill and the other had a $100 bill. So basically the first three people to claim a spot slash person uh, got what that person was holding. Uh, I took off kind of slow uh, and was going to zigzag the hill. That was actually not a good idea because it was hard to get traction to turn back up. So I ended up like zigzagging all the way across the hill. And I actually didn't think I was going to make it. I just like, at one point I was kind of, I came by the bottom of one of the stakes and just like kept trying to inch up, inch up. Cause I didn't want to touch down and pretty much went about it almost as far as I could without going, starting to go off the edge of the ski hill. And as I was turning up, eventually slipped out and looked back and I had cleared the stake. And so I jumped off my bike and then started well, I didn't jump off of my bike because I'd like slipped out already. So I just, I started pushing it. So, uh, and then it was actually interesting because I thought I was the fourth person up, but I don't, I think a couple of other guys didn't, didn't claim a spot. They just like rode up and turned around. I don't know if they, cause 45 North had thrown some tires out down there and, uh, at the bottom. So the first person down the hill could claim the tires, which, you know, actually, so you could, uh, take a hundred dollar bill or claim $300 in tires. So. Uh, at any rate, the, uh, um, so I claimed the open spot that was up there and lo and behold, that person was holding the hundred dollar bill. So good stuff. So, uh, yeah, you know what? I'll, uh, I'll talk about the Enduro event here really quick too. I wrote up a actual race report for that. So the Enduro event on Sunday was, was awesome. Like it was some of the most fun times I've had on a bike. Uh, there was three runs. One of them was a line. Uh, the second one was the flow trail and the third one was chunder muffin. A line's awesome. It's in Margie Gassick. It's a big, like jumped bermed line. And then, um, um, that was awesome. I, I started off a little conservative on it. It felt like it was slick, but it turned out to not be as slick as I thought. And then, but by the time I got into it, I was a little slow. So I think I came down that about middle of the pack time wise. Uh, I had taken a picture of the, well, at the, when we're all done, they had the, like the timing laid out. So, uh, that's how I know where my time was at. Uh, the flow trail. I don't think I've ever ridden that one, even when I've been up there summer, but I haven't actually been up there that much, but, um, just the few times I have been up there in the summer outside of races, I have ridden most of the trails up there, but I don't think I'd ever been down this one. Uh, you know, in the winter, I think this was like snowshoed in, it was really tight and I just, yeah, I wasn't very comfortable. I was, I was kind of skittish on it, a little slow toward the bottom. I loosened up. There's some narrow bridges and whatnot. There's actually a big bridge at the end. I think that's the one where you come off the other side of it. You'll, you'll catch some air whether you want to or not, if you're carrying any speed. Uh, and then, uh, the most fun one was Chunder Muffin. We were warned at the top that there was like rock drops and like there was actually some, it was a pretty technical one. Um, and I don't know, as I started going down it, there was like a couple spots and I was like, wait, that wasn't too bad. Right. And then I started getting some confidence and then just like letting it rip. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh no. And like, yeah, it was some, like, that was awesome. It was, uh. I, I, I actually got in a rhythm on that and just actually wiped out twice going down it. But, um, I, I kind of pretty much sent it for most of it. And I actually had the second fastest time down Chunder Muffin. So that was really cool. 
Uh, when we were all done, they uh, we all kind of got together and did this like train, fat bike train down A line for some video um, that uh, I think Jeff Wolf Photography was was taking. So check his uh, site out; you can see the video there. And um, and then we set up this kind of little jump spot and took turns catching some air. Uh, photo credit uh, on my race report there, Brian. Do thanks for the photo, man. And uh, yeah, that was a really cool photo. I got he caught me in midair on the fat bike, so the Farley can fly. So no, that was awesome, and uh, I super super enjoyed the um, uh, the fat bike enduro. It was, it was that was that was awesome. It was a great cap to the weekend. So, um, anyways. That's it. That's my report. And uh, thanks for thanks for listening. And uh, this was cool. So hope you enjoyed kind of the extra little uh, uh, recording there with with Todd and in a combination with a race report. So um, I don't know. Maybe I'll do some more of that with some race directors if I uh, uh, can catch up with some other race directors and in- include a little discussion before the race report. So um, awesome. Thanks for tuning in and uh, until next time I'll, and I'll try to get these, these podcasts fired up again. So uh, just, I've been kind of buried on time. I say that, right. But I have been able to get out and race, but uh, yeah, between um, the bike shop and the personal training at the gyms and just everything I going on uh, it's been tight trying to fit in the races even, but uh, this is uh, I, I, I kind of, kind of getting a schedule lined up and whatnot. So I should be able to fire up some of this podcast stuff again. In fact, I have a few of these, so stay tuned. I've got, uh, the Berkey ski race that I still haven't even released the race report for yet. Um, maybe I'll get that out by the time this podcast even comes out, but I'll have a podcast for that. And then fat like Berkey. And then, um, just last night, I actually just, this is like super fun ski fat bike duathlon, um, kind of a, you know, end of, end of winter season type of thing, I guess. So, uh, but as I'm recording this, the sun is out and melting things. And so this in between season season stuff is kind of interesting. Cause you, the snow's still here. You, you know, you don't want it to go away, but then you're kind of like, well, if it's going to melt, just get it done with and, and whatnot. So excited for the summer. And I don't really have any race or event stuff planned for myself here, um, over the next month. So it, but, uh, since I've got so many race reports to catch up on, there should be some some good, good, uh, good stuff to keep up with. So later. Steve here again, as always, thanks for tuning in. I've created a page for each episode and links to each of those episode pages can be found at endurancepath.com backslash podcast. If you like what I'm doing here, pass it around and leave me a review in iTunes or whatever podcast app you listen through. If you want to send me some direct feedback, send an email to podcast at endurancepath.com. Also, if you know somebody that has a great story that needs to be told, send them my way. Let's get people off the couches, moving, and challenging themselves. There's a whole lot of life out there to be had. Let's keep it moving.